Thank you very much indeed, Judith. Let's pray together. Almighty God, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts and fill them with love for you and for other people. For the sake of your kingdom. Amen. Well, on returning from seeing my daughter and family in the USA, we met up uh, during the week with my son and his children. And my eight-year-old grandson, Jude, was full of jokes that he had learnt. Grandad, he said, Pete and repeat were in a boat. Pete fell in the water. Who was left in the boat? I said, um, repeat. Jude smiled and said, Pete and Repeat were in a boat. Pete fell in the water, and who was left in the boat? I said, Repeat. He said, Grandad, Pete and Repeat were in a boat. And that could have gone on for ages. I was jet-lagged and didn't realize what was going on. But today's gospel reading uh, was an account when Matthew tells us of when Pete was in a boat, and then he wasn't in a boat, but he was in the boat with the rest of the disciples, and Peter does end up in the water a long way from the shore. And we're told about three and a half miles out, according to John's version of the account. And Matthew tells us that the boat was buffeted by the waves and the wind was against it. Let's have the first picture, uh, Joseph. Some translations say the boat was tormented by the waves and the disciples struggled to keep the boat upright. And Jesus wasn't actually with them. He stayed behind to pray alone on the mountainside. And by the fourth watch of the night, that's three o'clock in the morning, the disciples were probably more concerned about surviving than they were about actually reaching their destination. And during all of this, they became even more terrified when they believed that they saw a ghost approaching them on the water and they cried out in fear but it was Jesus who was walking on the water the very one who could save them from the storm the distinct lack of a boat hadn't proved a problem to him and sometimes when we encounter Jesus initially it can be very strange even frightening that's until we understand what's going on I believe Jesus never sets out to frighten us. He comes to us in peace. He comes to challenge, yes, and sometimes that can be uncomfortable, but he comes to drive out fear as well and drive it out with love. And two questions come to my mind when I think about this story. Uh, first of all, why would Jesus engage in water walking? And secondly, how did he do it? Well, first of all, let's deal with the second question. The simple answer to how is that Jesus is the Son of God, our Savior. And if he created the world and was present at creation, then surely he has no problem with demonstration of his power over that creation, over the natural order of things. If he could feel, feed a multitude with bread and fishes, if he could turn water into wine, if he could rise from the dead then that part of the story shouldn't really trouble us. But why did he do it? Why did Peter also walk on water? 
Well, many years ago, I read a book by John Ortberg, and today I share a few reflections which were left with me after reading his inspirational words. Why did Jesus walk on the water? Well, I think it could have been for two reasons. The first one is important. It's Jesus' nature to save. The disciples were in trouble, and he loved them. What do you do when people are in trouble and you love them? You want to help. And Jesus loves all people. He loves you. He loves me. He loves those that nobody else loves. And whatever we're going through right now, I believe Jesus cares and it's his nature to save and to come alongside us. And that's why his followers today should be concerned also for others who are in need. That's why many Christians at the moment are numbered among those who are seeking to save refugees, those making horrendous journeys in dangerous seas. It's where we believe Jesus would want his disciples to be because people are crying out for help. And it's Jesus' nature to save. And perhaps you're facing one of life's storms at the moment. It could be family trouble. It might be illness or bereavement. We've heard of a lot of bereavement recently. Trials at work, challenges that you feel that you know can't do anything about. But I urge you in those challenges to cry out to Jesus. Because I believe he can help and will see you through. And Jesus demonstrated this, of course, supremely by his death and his resurrection. Jesus came to save us from our sins. And salvation isn't just about forgiveness. It's not just about restoring a relationship with God alone. Jesus is concerned about every part of our lives. And he died that we might find hope. It's about our total, eternal well-being. It's about having inner peace. It's about being rescued by God's renewing love. So why did Jesus walk on water? Well, the simple answer, it's his nature to save. But the second thing is, he had an important message to communicate at the time. If we read Mark's version of this event, he gives us a clue to what's actually going on. In his commentary on Mark, uh, David Garland points out that in Mark chapter 6, verse 48, he's, Jesus says uh, he was about to pass them by. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? <laughs> Why was that? Uh, was it some kind of a race? Uh, was it he teasing them, just proving that he could uh, uh, take part in extreme water skiing? Uh, was he trying to impress them with his water walking? I don't think any of those things are the answer. Garland actually points out that to pass by is parakomia. It's used in the Greek uh, translation of the Old Testament to refer to what we call a theophany. So what are theophanies? Well, Garland describes them as those defining moments when God makes a striking and temporary appearance in the earthly realm to a select individual or group for the purpose of communicating a message. So when Jesus is passing by, this theophany was to communicate a message. 
uh, Ortberg actually points out that Moses and Elijah are examples of theophanies. Uh, if you remember, God put Moses in a cleft of rock so that Moses, Moses could see God while my glory passes by and the Lord passed before him. In our Old Testament reading today, God told Elijah to stand on the mountain for the Lord is about to pass by. And on each of these theophany stories, God is catching people's attention for a reason. Whether it be a burning bush or earthquake, wind and fire and the still small voice through it or here by walking on water. In each case, God was calling. And when people said yes, they experienced God's power in their lives. So why did Jesus walk on water? He came one when least expected, three o'clock in the morning in the middle of a storm, because he came to save them, came to call them, so that they might know his power in their lives. So what does all this mean then for us? Well, in verse 27, Jesus said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And then in the next verse, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Well, I've got five very brief things, and they are brief to note. If you're not looking for Jesus, you might just miss him. We know that Peter responded, but what about the other 11? Only one of the 12 responded to the invitation to come. Coincidentally, as I was preparing this sermon, and you might like to put this up now, uh, Joseph, my son-in-law from America sent me this cartoon. And uh, I read the words just in case you can't see them. Take my hand, Peter, and don't Lego. And it's uh, uh, a picture of a, a Lego impression of Jesus uh, walking on the water. Now, I bet the other 11 laughed and told jokes about Peter who fell in the water and had to hold on to Jesus. I bet they dined out on that for ages. But only Peter could say he ever had the experience of walking on the water. He looked, he saw Jesus, he responded, he trusted him, and he was saved. The second thing is, it's not about risk, it's about obedience. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Some translations say, command me to come to you. You see, it's not simply about courage, about stepping out. It's actually about wisdom and discernment and obedience. Also, thirdly, water walkers have to get out of the boat. Water walkers have to get out of the boat. This is what I got very much from Ortberg's book. It's whatever, uh, the boat, if you like, is whatever represents your safety and security. Just think what represents your safety and security at the moment. The boat was safe. It was secure. It was comfortable compared to the raging water of the storm. And our boat can be ever, whatever we're tempted to put our trust in 
rather than Jesus' call on our lives? What is it that produces fear in our lives? Especially when the Lord is calling us to do something. You see, there are all sorts of boats. It might be tradition. It might be comfort. It might be financial security. It might be a compromising relationship or addictions or inflexible religion. In fact, the boat is often a symbol of the church in the New Testament. Sometimes these can be places where we hide away rather than stepping out to do what Jesus is calling us to do. So my question today is, what is God calling you to step out of or into? And remember that it's actually risky staying in the boat in a storm. (laughs) You might go down with it. The theologian Karl Barth said, comfort is one of the siren calls of our age. And I think we need to think about how comfortable we are compared to how many, how others are in the world. Maybe God is calling you to step out of your comfort zone. Fourthly, water walkers should expect problems. Peter saw the wind, it says. Wind shouldn't have been surprising to fishermen, and it had been there all along, and even before Peter got out of the boat, but it was actually when he stepped out that he began to realize even more how frightening things were, and he took his eye off of Jesus, and he began to sink. What are the things today that distract you from keeping your eye on Jesus. I mean, it could be setbacks that we've had. It could be opposition that we face. It could be unexpected obstacles that we come across in life. All these things are around us all the time. And we see the frightening wind, and sometimes we go to that secure place rather than pressing on with Jesus, and we find that we're sinking. During life's challenges, this passage is encouraging us to focus on Jesus and to keep walking with faith and to keep trusting him. Our initial anxiety will never go away, not in my experience. Often when I'm called to do something, uh, I still feel the challenge. But you have to just manage that anxiety and trust. And the more we trust, the more we find that Jesus gets us to where we want to be. Or if we fail, he fishes us out. Somebody once asked Winston Churchill what most prepared him for uh, the risk of political suicide when he was speaking out against Hitler in the mid-1930s and during the years of appeasement. And then it led to Great Britain uh, uh, being against Nazi Germany. And Churchill's response was it was the time that he had failed an exam in school. And the person who was asking him said, what do you mean, you failed an exam in school? He said, I've never failed anything in my life, he said. I was given the second opportunity to get it right. I wonder whether we as a church are risk averse. I think we are at times. 
We need to step out of our comfort zone. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Don't worry about the things around us, but be faithful to what we're being called to do. Remember that Jesus was there to pick Peter up. And there were 11 bigger failures in the boat at that particular time. Those who didn't step out. Those who perhaps laughed at Peter. To step out in faith is to grow and to learn in faith. And finally, water walkers have to learn to wait. Now, twelve disciples had to wait a long time in the boat, enduring the storm, before they saw Jesus in the midst of it all. But when they witnessed his saving grace, eventually they declared, truly, you are the Son of God. Our journey of faith will always involve waiting on the Lord, whatever our circumstance. So let me pull this together. Some storms are raging in the world at the moment, and the reality is that many people are fearful in this day as we're gathered in church. Both of our readings are honest about faith faltering, about conflict, Uh, being overwhelming about the absence of courage. Yet both of our readings talk about God being with those who trusted him. And as we're hearing news at the moment about tragedies at sea, about storms and fires and fear causing devastation globally, many people are forced out of their comfort zone, not by choice, Some people in response will say, well, we're okay, and they need to sort themselves out. But actually, when people cry out for help, I believe in a Jesus who cares and wants to save. And many people are forced out of their comfort zone, and they cannot save themselves. My question is, are we listening for the cries for help in the world? Are we listening for the still, small voice within us that says, what can we do to make a difference? It might be through our giving or sacrificial acts or just through our prayers. Will you hear Jesus say to you, when the storms that are raging today, despite what you face, will you step out of your comfort zone to be a blessing to others? For true followers of Jesus obey his command. They follow his example. Our eternal father is strong to save, but he needs us to embody his generous, obedient, and saving love. And not say to others, save yourselves. But let's see if we can be imaginative together and be part of the answer. Amen. We sing together, eternal father.